am super excited about this morning. You guys are in for a treat. Um, we have Mr. Leonard Sal with us this morning. Um, and just to let you guys know, he is, how old exactly are you? How old are you? <laughs> I'll be 89 in January. He's going to be 89 in January. I thought it was 89, but um, it's just sweet. He's agreed to come and just share with us a little bit about his life and his faithfulness um, to the Lord and the Lord's faithfulness to him. Um, and I just want you guys to realize, like, how much of a treasure it is just to hear from the older generation. Um, you just see over and over and over in Scripture um, how many times that people didn't listen to the older generation and and then it um, led to just unfaithfulness to the Lord or it led to corruption or them repeating mistakes or um, any of those things. And so I just want to encourage that you to not be in that category um, for us to seek out and value just the words of wisdom that we have from the older generation um, and just the honor that we get to have that someone would agree uh, just to come and share with us this morning. And so um, I just want you guys to put your listening ears on and just to soak it all in um, and just like thank the Lord for the opportunity um, that we get just to hear from someone that is willing to just share with us. And he's just lived an incredible life. Um, that has been honoring and glorifying to the Lord. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and have, ask him to come up, and then we're going to pray for him and just kind of give him the floor and let him share with you guys um, what the Lord has put on his heart. And so um, I'm going to pray for you, right. and then I'm going to let you get started. You yes. Um, God, I just thank you so much for Leonard. I thank you for just being faithful to him time and time again. God, I thank you that he um, has just been able to see your word prove true, that he has been able to see, um, God, just you move in miraculous ways in and through his life. Um, Lord, I just ask that you would just fill him with your Holy Spirit this morning, that he would be able to just speak with confidence and um, just deliver just the message that you have for us uh, with clarity and um, with just excitement and joy of just the life that you've allowed him to live. Um, God, I just ask that you would give us just ears to listen. Um, God, that we would just soak up just your faithfulness um, throughout generations and that we would um, just be willing um, and ready to just say yes to you as Leonard has said yes to you, God, that we would just see um, wisdom in his words, that we would see just the treasure and the gift that you've given us this morning. Um, and so may we just do everything um, for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here. Uh, I, 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 you know, I don't really know why, but uh, I believe that there's always a purpose for whatever happens, and uh, I haven't taught a Sunday school class, and I'm not teaching today, and that's what I told some folks down the road. I'll be talking today, but I'll not be teaching a Sunday school class today. But I've not taught. I've turned down speaking engagements at homecomings, and you know, you name it, because I'm, I've, I've reached that age to where those things that come along with age start to interfere with, and particularly as it forgets. Now, I remember David back here. He used to be in my Sunday school class, he and his wife, years ago. But I may forget his name, you see, the next time I look at him, and that's one of the hindrances of, of being an old person. And so, uh, like Brother Kendall this morning, I couldn't think of his name down at the other end of the church. And so, uh, you please forgive me in those particular areas. But I want to talk to you for just a few minutes before we get into the Scripture 
about Stephen F. Austin State Teachers College. I believe that's where you're going, only now it's the Stephen F. Austin State University, isn't it? I finished up there in 1949, a little while before your time, I believe. <laughs> and uh, I, I just, I, I hesitated to do this because I had been warned that college students are not very interested in anything that's beyond so many years. But I want to tell you a little bit about Stephen F. And what it'll do is tie my generation uh, to your generation without me saying this is the way it was when I was a kid, you see. But Stephen F. Austin, when I started there in 1946, uh, there was three main buildings. We called it the administration building. I think it's really the uh, Stephen F. Austin building, but it's where the administration is. There was the Thomas J. Rusk building, and it's the one in the middle, if you remember. And it had a demonstration school, in other words, uh, like a regular school inside that building. And then we had the science building. In addition to those three buildings, we had a boys' dormitory, and we had a girls' dormitory. And uh, that was about all there was is Stephen L. Foster. I'm going to carry you a little bit further, and this may surprise you. You know where those three round dormitories used to sit, where they tore it down? I think it's, David, is the one across from the cafeteria now? All right. Two across the cafeteria, they were behind the cafeteria. The two, two that was together was across from the cafeteria, right? They're still there. All right. You know where we have to stop slowly and let you students come across and get to the cafeteria? That's where it was, right there. There was a dairy barn there. You've heard of the egg barn, haven't you? You know where the ag barn is, don't you? I milked the cows <laughs> in the college farm dairy right about where those two dormitories were. And everything from that area all the way across University Drive was a cow pasture. And so I milked the cows there for about 18 months. But at the time that I started, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on uh, this, but when I started at Stephen F. Austin, I was 16 years old. And, uh, and please, I, I don't want to tell you in that day too much. I just want to mention a few things. But when I was growing up, a high school diploma was about equal to a college degree. So the sooner a youngster could get out of high school, they were more qualified to get a job. And jobs was what was very, very uh, important. So I skipped the second grade. I went, I went ahead to first grade. I skipped the second grade. I went to the third grade. I skipped the fourth grade. And I went from the fifth grade. And it put me out of there when I was 16 in June, right after, I mean, I was 16 in January and started college in June. And that's not the end of the story, and I don't want to spend too much time here because I want to get to the story in the Bible. But here I was, 16 years old, St. Augustine County. Never been out of St. Augustine County very many times. But that is the year that all of the teachers, now used to a teacher, a person could come to Stephen L. Faustin, teach for one year, and then they could teach school, you see. And I had some of those, of those particular teachers. But about this time, the legislature passed a law that says that every person who teaches must have a degree by. So I was in school that first summer semester 
with two teachers from the school that brought us where I had graduated from. In addition to that, that was the year the veterans started the school in uh, 1946. So uh, you've never seen the pictures. I got out my old 1947 yearbook and took a look at this before I came. But they moved in all of those old, they call it veteran villages. Just, oh, 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 well, it's working. <laughs> uh, the, the old army camps, they moved them in. And they had a whole row of them for those veterans to live in. Now, my whole point is this. Can you imagine a 16-year-old sitting in with those 20, 25 and better men and women in some cases and, uh, and making it through college? Do you see the Lord's hand in that? I believe that from the day I was born that the Lord has been upon me even before I was born. And if without his help, I would become one of those discouraged students and wound up without a degree. I encourage you to stay put, stay with it, don't back off, and don't give up. Now I want to get to the lesson today. And I was telling some and Melina earlier that uh, I, I really don't know, but I think I figured it out. I, uh, I like uh, Brother Kendall. And I was so pleased with uh, the response that you gave him the other day when he was elected. Uh, I was sitting back in the back, but I saw the college group rise up. And, 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 and Brother Kendall's such a fine fellow. And uh, I, I think the scripture that was suggested that I used today and, the, uh, and, and my being here is tied uh, to this particular subject. He even suggested that I use the same scripture that he used for part of his uh, presentation uh, in his call letter. And that's uh, such a cloud of witnesses. I want to read that verse of scripture to you, and then I think uh, we can move from there pretty quickly and get to uh, what we really want to cover today. But in Hebrews uh, 12, 1 to 3, it says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses... If you remember, he referred to the crowd of witnesses as being those of us who've been uh, members here for years and members here for years before uh, even I was a member here. And so he used that as his cloud of witnesses. Paul in this writing is, is using the witnesses that are listed here ahead uh, of this particular chapter. And those include David and it also includes Abraham along with many more. But I mention those two men of God that if we have time, I'm going to get to a little bit later in part of the presentation today. But notice that it always already mentions that these uh, clouds of witnesses are surrounding us. Let us lay aside every weight. And then that little wording that says, and the sin. That uh, every weight and the sin that so easily so easily ensnares us. And then it says, let us run. How? With endurance, the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on who? Jesus. The source and perfecter of our faith, for who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross that despised the shame and is set down 
at the right hand of God. I think Brother Kendall knew that we were going to talk about a race. And I believe that this uh, 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 race that we're running is the race of life. And he saw me as out here almost, just almost to the finish line. I think he saw you pretty much at the starting line. And that if I could come and, and speak with you and maybe give you a little what have yous, uh, when it started with me way back years ago, and have lived with me and has moved me and helped me and all of these good things, then maybe I could call to your attention a few things that might be helpful to you. And I don't want you to any whatever it is, feelings accord me, because I was born at the time that I was born. And I'm not going to stand here and go through all of this except you know, no electricity, no cash, no nothing, and all this stuff with you. But I'm so grateful for the fact that I was born at that particular time. And that I entered this race. And I'm so, uh, I'm so grateful that I was born to the parents that I was, I was born to. Uh, oh, they were, they were uh, you know, well, they were referred to as dirt farmers. And so we lived there on the little old 65-acre farm. And don't laugh too loudly when I tell you that I'm one of ten children. That's a batch of them. From the beginning, to <laughs> but it's so much fun in the family, and I tell you, I, I just want to, and, and I'm going to have to hurry now. I think I was going to run out of time, but I just want to want to talk for a few minutes about uh, the, the the family, the story uh, of of the family, and uh, and we had all of these children, but the family unit is the unit that God put into existence for the purpose of, of being of benefit to a group of people known as the family, you see. And so the family is, is the real thing. What do we do in the family? Well, it's the first place that we find love. You know, I suppose that next to God's love is the mother's love. Uh, I, I didn't say fathers, I said mother's. But I, it's the place where we uh, find love. And my mother was so gifted in it. Now, keep in, in mind that my dad died uh, when I was only 15. And I don't have uh, the memories of him like I do of my mother. My mother lived to be 93. But you see, uh, her, her love, uh, you know, it could have said, well, did they have to divide it, you know, between the ten? Uh, I had a young pastor up in uh, Euless when I lived up at Euless, had one child. And he said, you know, my wife and I are afraid to have another child because we don't believe we could love another child like we love this child. I looked him straight in the eye and I said, you ought to try it because the mother's love is never, never divided, you see, by the number that she has. She loves that first one as much as she loves that last one. And so we find in the family, mother's love. And then that love is also extended. And every time one of us got married, we took in a new one. And that love was extended, you see, to that. And when my mother died, there was about a hundred, you see, from her down. 
five generations. And she had the privilege of enjoying all of that. But another thing that happens in the, in, in, uh, in the family, uh, uh, let me look at my notes for just a minute. Uh, is, is, uh, let me see. I'll find it in a minute. The runner, the commitment story. My, oh, maybe it's on another phone. Yeah. No, it's down here somewhere. Some families. Here it is. Uh, some families. Uh, here it is right here. In the family, in the, but in the family is also, and I remember this much whether I ever find it in the notes or not, uh, it's in the family that we're trained, you see. A great deal of training goes in. And you, you, you recognize it from your parents. And this training is something that is absolutely necessary for an individual. Uh, uh, and let me give you one quick example. The Catholic Church. Used to, and in my day, I don't know what it's like today, said if you would give us your child for, uh, until it's four years old, says that child will die a Catholic. How nice it would be, you see, if we trained as Christians our children to the point that. And so I'm simply saying to you that this is where you, where you have lots of training. Uh, and, and it's also where you get discipline. Every person has to be disciplined at some time in life. Used to, it was done mostly and by far by the parents, you see. If it gets by the parents, it's in the school. If it gets by the school, it's in the police department or, or what have you. And so it's so much easier to discipline children when they're small. And this is the value of having a home. I want to tell you, and let me look at my notes and find out what I want to move to next. Uh, let's see. I want to tell you about my salvation. It won't take long. Uh, I, I was a Sunday school kid all of the days of my life. But I left home to come to Stephen L. Foston without being saved. And so... Uh, uh, I, I, you know, and I, I kind of dropped out of church while I was in college, and that's a bad, bad thing to do. But anyway, I was milking the cows up here on the college farm, and the college had bought the land out on the Sanoxine Highway, and they were moving the, the dairy barn from this location out to the Sanoxine uh, Highway. And I got out there to the church, uh, to the uh, the uh, uh, farm uh, on the San Augustine Highway, there was a church, and you may have seen what, what they call a New Hope Church out on San Augustine Highway. Well, that was the college farm from it on down for some way, and we had the deer barn out there. But I went to church because I didn't have transportation, and I could walk from where I was into the church. And so the preacher preached, and I tell you, I, I realized that there was something that I needed that I didn't have. And when he gave the call, I went. And I got down there and got down on my knees, and I was expecting to be, I guess you could say, like hit over the head with a two-by-four, but it didn't, it didn't happen that way. And so he talked to me and prayed with me and talked to me and prayed with me. In a little while, he said, uh, well, let me read you some scripture. I'm not going to turn to it. I'm just going to basically quote it where it said, uh, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, 
It says, Thou shall be saved. Not maybe, not you know, this. That's the way my salvation came. I want to move from that quickly to get into our lesson today. And I don't know, oh, yeah. I want to get into the lesson today. My, uh, this is a race that we've got to run. And I, I, it's, it's, it's the race of life. And it's not uh, an easy uh, race at all. And if I can find my notes, I know exactly which scripture to go to uh, uh, to, to find it. Let's see, story of my salvation, the story of the first marriage. Well, I was, all right. Uh, let's go back to the, to the front page. And that's where we'll find it. Uh, I want to read you uh, Genesis three seventeen to uh, something. I'll know when I get there. <laughs> Genesis three seventeen to nineteen. Seventeen to nineteen says, and he said to Adam, because you listened to your wife's voice and ate from the tree about which I commanded you. Do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by the means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. So what it's basically saying is that life is not a bed of roses, so to speak. With a curse came not only the fact that we would have to earn our living by the sweat of our brow, and that's the way it's stated in the Old Testament. Uh, we still have to earn that living. We still have to work for it. And furthermore, the earth itself has the thorns and the thistles, which simply says that in life you're going to have some problems. They're going to come. You've probably already had them, and, you, and, and you're going to have more of them. And you're going to be stepping on, standing on thistles and thorns and this in the, in the path of life and running the race. Now I want to talk a little bit about uh, this, this race and, and running the race. And uh, a little, just a little story behind my own uh, being as it relates to. But uh, uh, it's, a, it's a difficult race, but it's a wonderful race. And if you noticed in that scripture, it was also saying uh, in Jesus. And he gives you uh, that, that whatever it is that you need to journey through life the way that you need to journey through life. I want to tell you quickly a little bit about my marriage. I've been married twice. I was working on a college farm, and I was going to that little church. And I met one of the most wonderful little Christian girls that ever lived in that church. Well, I had this high school sweetheart, you know. She was kind of, I was up here and she was down there, and it didn't take her long to find somebody else. So I was in this, this time. And I believe, and, and, and please, if I, don't, if I don't say another word, God gave me that little girl to, to be my wife. He put her at the place and put me at the place so we'd find each other and so that we'd get together and serve him. And I married that little woman, and we had three children, two boys and two girls. After we had the two boys, the doctors told her, never, never have another one. Said uh, she could have died with each of these two boys and never, never have another child. And God blessed me with a little old daughter 
that uh, I, I don't know what it would be like now not to have had a daughter. You, you, you young women, you just don't know how much your parents love you, and, and particularly your papas, how proud of you they really are. Huh? Yeah, it's a... It's a <laughs> oh, I tell you. Well, all right. Anyway, I married, I married this little girl that just had... Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know what your reaction is, but uh, evidently you had a papa, proud papa for the way I'm reading it. Right? Yes. All right. All right. But anyway, I had this uh, little woman in, 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 in God's pleasure right in my hand. One of the sweetest little old women that ever lived. And, and, and we lived together for about 23 years. And, uh, she had heart problems from the beginning to end. And, and you know, lots of uh, what have you. But we loved each other. And it was just such a wonderful thing, you know, to, to be together. Uh, and then uh, she died uh, at the age of 44. And I had the three children, but at age 44. And uh, here I was with the three kids and, and without a mama. But uh, the Lord, and, and please, uh, I want you to understand what I'm saying. is nothing, nothing that I did, but it was the Lord. Uh, you see, I had a brother, and he was married to a wonderful Christian woman. But my wife died in 74 but the Lord, my brother didn't die until he was 66. And so uh, I didn't marry in between. I, you know, see, the Lord knew that I was going to need my brother's widow, you see, before I ever, ever knew anything about it. So uh, uh, my, my brother died and, and, uh, and uh, my mother who has extended this love for all of the years. My younger son and I were down fishing or hunting down at my mother's house uh, years ago. And uh, she told me, said, son, he said, she said, before you go home tonight, you and Joe go home tonight, says, stop by over there and check on Boots and the children, her children. And so uh, uh, we did. And... Uh, I left there, and on the way home, we were driving back to Eunice area. I thought, you know, that's the woman. My mother said, stop by and check on her. I was in Los Angeles uh, in a meeting the next week, and I got down beside the bed, and I prayed. And I said, now, Lord, if this is, if this is it, <laughs> and I kind of believe it is, I, I, I want the answer to it. I got the answer to it. I called her up and told her. I said, I don't know whether you're interested or not, but I am. <laughs> and she, said, she says, I am too. And you know what? We're going to have 41 years together uh, this, this November. And uh, when it started off, it was Leonard and, uh, I mean, uh, Aunt Boots and, and Uncle Leonard. We had a couple of grandbabies born. And... Uh, and uh, uh, then it became, you know, Pop and Nanny instead of Uncle Leonard and Aunt Boots and Aunt Boots and, and Dad. But anyway, the Lord has given us uh, eight grandbabies. He's given us ten 
great-grandbabies and got another one on the way. Now I want to talk a little bit about relationships. Uh, I was going to read the reading from uh, 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 Proverbs 31 about uh, who can find a virtuous woman. Have you read that scripture yourselves? Do you know about that scripture uh, yourselves? A virtual, virtuous woman is, uh, is, is more precious. And I can't say it any better than the Bible says it. It's more precious than. But you know what? When we get to this point and your age and in the pretty near future, the most of you will get married. And I believe that God will get you with that person that you need to marry. And you, I hope, will have some children. Then you'll begin to understand the love that your papa and mama and grandpa and grandma and all had for this. But you know what's going to happen in that marriage? And I imagine old John and Melina could say it does by now. You're going to have some disagreements. You're going to have some thorns. You're going to have a little this and a little that. Young men, I want you to hear this. Uh, so when you do get there, and I want you to remember it if you do get there, that that little woman that God will give you is the most precious thing there is in all of your life. And I read and where somebody said, and I believe it, that the greatest gift a father can give his children is to love their mother. And uh, you're, going to, you're going to have these little problems. And every so often, you're going to try to solve these problems uh, with a shouting match. Now, I've been there, and, and I can tell you that is the truth. There has never been a settlement between uh, a man and his wife uh, through the shouting match. And furthermore, those children, and this happened to me, and I've said some things to my wife, and I'll just, I'll just tell you one of them. I mean, I'm not going to name it, but uh, when I got through, she just come and said to me, you know, you know how to hurt me when you want to. I've never forgotten it. She's been dead for 44 years, you see. I hurt her. Uh, don't hurt each other. Settle your problems peacefully and amicably and all of this. And, 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 and if you do decide to do it, don't, please don't do it in the front of your children. And I'm going to tell you men this, and I want you to keep it in mind, that every time you lambast your wife and your children hear it, and they can hear it if they're out in the yard playing, I guarantee you that. You're lambasting the most important person in the world to them. And you're going to come out a loser every time. So as married men, be men that God would want you to be. To you women, young women, you're going to enter the road. You're on it. Be that woman as is described in, uh, in Proverbs in uh, uh, 31. And... and, and, and and uh, respect your husband. Uh, uh, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to quit right there. Now, uh, 
uh, I, I've just got some things that I want to tell you that I'm so grateful for. As I've traveled the road, and we're reaching this, this close to the end. I don't have many years left. My mother went to 93. I'm planning on going as long as she did. And maybe the Lord will let me go a little bit longer. I don't know. Uh, but I'm so grateful for that which has brought into being. Uh, Melody, who are you? Mel uh, yeah, all right. I had in my notes uh, uh, that I was going to mention that to the best of my memory, you see, uh, the medical end of it and the advancement of the medical field. We were all born at home. If there had been one thing, you see, one little thing wrong with us, we would have died. Uh, just like my, my first, the first one was born all right, but he died. But uh, uh, it's just uh, uh, being born at home was a, was a dangerous deal. And I, but I was going to mention how the lifespan had uh, grown. And lo and behold, this came in on my phone yesterday, and, uh, and, and I don't know how to use these phones much, and I'm going to just ask her uh, to get over here and read it to you because it's one of the things that I'm truly grateful for. It says, Americans are living longer than ever before. The average lifespan in the U.S. has doubled over the past 100 years. In 1918, you were lucky if you made it past 40 years of age. Today, we're living into our 80s, and the number of people living past 100 is, is at an even higher level. Isn't that, isn't that remarkable? You know, it, it came out this year, 1918. I'm only 12 years, you see, from that uh, 1918. And, uh, but, but one of the reasons I want to give it, I, I mean, I'm trying to get a little fast now because we're going to run out of time right away. But I have a, I have a, a grandbaby that's coming to see me. Uh, she's going to come spend a week with us. Um, yeah, a week. Second week in October. When she was born, she weighed a pound and ten ounces. Pound and ten ounces. I, they made us touch her every day. And I pulled her little old hand out like that, and I put my finger on the top like that, and I could not see one part of her little old hand. Stayed in the hospital for three months, out, 31 years old, coming to see it, coming to spend it. If I had been at home, if she had been born at home, we would have buried her in the cemetery, you see, the next day. Uh, I could just name over and over and over uh, uh, in other words, I'm proud I was here. But I'm also very proud that I'm here, you see, in this book. I don't doubt God a minute. He put me in at the time he wanted me in, in the family he wanted me in, and in everything else that he wanted me in to run my race. And I'm not, but I'm so grateful now that even you, like going to, to college, uh, university, uh, you've got the buildings, you've got the teachers, you've got everything you need up there. Like us on the farm, I'm so grateful for the advances in agriculture. Uh, we were eking out a living, you see, by plowing mews on 65 acres of land to earn enough money to live on. And now, you know, it's, it's, it's altogether different. But there's so many things that I, I just go. But I want you uh, to be men and women that God can be so proud of as you go into your lives and start this race. And when you get down the way, regardless of the thorns and the thistles and all of these things that are in between, uh, 
you're still going to find that Jesus is just as faithful here as he was here. And in, in, in the end, he just simply says, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you will be also. Every time a Christian dies, Jesus just comes and gets them. One of these days, Jesus is going to appear in the air. And the trumpet's going to sound. And the dead in the Christ are going to rise first. Then those of us who remain are going to be caught up to meet him in the air. To forever be with the Lord. Thank you.